All right, it's time for Stories That Are Made Up with your host, Dad. So sit back and let's get to the story. Welcome back to Episode 4, The Rise to Godfather, Part 2, Reputation. Now, let's get started. Inside Tommy's social club, there were Tommy, the boss of the family, the underboss, and the consigliere. In a room of powerful people, it was a little intimidating, but I did my best to hold it together. Sitting there, they told me they were grateful for what I have done for them, and now what can they do for me was what the meeting was going to be about. So I sat there a moment, got my thoughts together, then let them know that I would like to stay independent, work on a contract basis, that my service would be collecting, problem solving, and contract hits. And I also explained that by staying independent that they can avoid all responsibilities on the actions that I take. Now that I laid out my deal, I decided to push a little further and to ask for the town that I live in to be turned over to me for protection. They can still keep their activities going, just I would be the peacekeeper, controlling the streets. I finished, then pushed myself back from the table and let the four of them huddle up and talk. They came back to the table about 15 minutes later. The ball started by letting me know I had some balls with my request, but it would be granted on a temporary basis to see how it goes. And in time, when they are satisfied, I'll get full control of the town. So now with backing, it was time for me to get to work and satisfy them. The first three jobs were your straightforward, what I call, disappearances. Pretty self-explanatory there. Like the first guy, he was skimming the take, so he ended up evaporating. Not a trace of him anywhere. The second guy, he was an abusive to the wrong woman too many times. The woman's cousin had that hit put out. The guy ended up animal food. And the third guy was a contract from another crime family who needed one of their own to disappear. This one I made sure to cover every angle, leaving nothing to chance. Now that I'm in good with Tommy and the Chicago family, I'm starting to recruit some people to make a crew of my own. But this proved to be harder than I thought. My first problem is I don't trust anyone. That's making things go a little slow. But I decided to spend a week going to bars, restaurants, and other places that I might be able to find the type of people I'm needing. And so, the first guy I recruited found in a bar, I had went to the local corner bar and ordered a tumble of bourbon, then sat at a table off in the corner. While sitting there, just watching things, I noticed a guy sitting up at the bar trying to mind his own business, but there was this douchebag dude that wouldn't stop talking shit to the guy. The douchebag dude would say he's a pussy and call him a dumb shit, got a limp dick. The guy at the bar sat there trying to ignore this douchebag and doing pretty well at it until the douchebag shoves him. And he shoved him hard. The guy fell over, gets back up, and shoves the douchebag back. 
He falls to the ground. The guy looks at the douchebag and then tells him it's over. That's when I notice a buddy of the douchebag starting towards the guy. He had a pull stick and just as he started swinging back, I jumped up and put him in a chokehold. He dropped the stick, then a few seconds later I had him passed out. Letting him drop to the floor, then headed to the guy at the bar. As I walked up to him, the douchebag dude gets up and charges us. I punched him in the throat, then broke his jaw. The guy was just staring at me, so I grabbed him and we got out of the bar before the cops could get there. I showed him into my car and took off. While driving, he introduced himself to me and thanked me. So me and Tebow went back to my place where we had a long conversation which ended up in us becoming friends and partners in crime. See, T-Bone is a mild-mannered guy that keeps his cool until it's time not to keep his cool. He's smart, and I like the guy mostly because he's real. I got a good friend in him. After T-Bone got on board, we recruited three more guys. One of the first up was T-Bone's cousin Chance. C, for short's what we had to call him, C's the opposite of T-Bone. A hot-headed and mean-streaked guy, but proved to be very loyal. Then, the last two were twins. Identical, I found. Them at a carnival the town had. The two were pickpocketing people in the crowd. Followed them for a little while and seen two of the most in-sync and coordinated guys. They had orchestrated such a way of communicating with each other without being seen I had witnessed them work a cop and had the cop off on a wild goose chase. They were really an impressive two. They worked well together and seemed separately on their own. I was impressed with them. So T-Bone, C, and me caught up with them at the Tilt-A-Whirl and talked with them for a few moments to set up a meeting time to discuss business. So three days later, all five of us met up at a family eatery in town. Me and T-Bone arrived first and got a table at the back corner for privacy. Shortly after, C and the twins arrived. The three sat down and the twins introduced themselves. Stan and Dan. Stan let us know he is older by a minute and 45 seconds. Dan just sat there quietly. We all placed our orders, then got down to business. I laid out my plan to them. I had told them we were going to protect the small town and run out the problem makers here. And anyone that gets in the way, that's not okayed by me. I set up Dan as our local police liaison. Then I put C in charge of keeping the peace in the streets and I have Stan running my drug sales, while me and T-Bone dealt with the powers to be through Tommy. Now, I still have to let the Mafia do some activity in town, but thanks to Tommy, they are limited in their actions at least. With my crew set up, we got to work. Stan created a very elaborate system for importing and distribution of products that we did. Stan and Dan vetted all the connections to ensure a smooth operation, and that they did. First year, 70 million profit. 
C was able to stabilize the town streets and run off gangbangers and unwanted outsiders. Now, T-Bone and me, we were busy doing jobs for Tommy and the bosses. Things were great, and three years into it, I was summoned to the mafia boss's house, and I was to come alone. This made me very nervous. T-Bone did want to come along and protect me, but I couldn't let him do that. Alone means alone. So when I pulled up to the boss's house, it was a huge English Tudor house with a brick wall surrounding it like a fortress. The iron gate opened and I drove up to the house. I noticed a couple SUVs and Cadillacs as I pulled up. I have no idea what could happen. I parked and went up to the front door. Before I could knock, the door opened and I was let in and brought to the dining room. Upon walking in, there were some New York faces sitting at the table. Oh boy. I was praying this is not a bullshit setup, but to my relief, I was brought there for a job. Sitting at the table with Chicago crime bosses and underboss in concert R. New York's Gambino family's underboss and the boss of the Colombo family and with their bodyguards standing behind them. This was pretty intimidating, I must say. I sat down and the introductions went around the table. Then the New York bosses explained that they suspected there is a couple informants in the organizations and now they're becoming desperate to find out who the rat is as they put it. The two bosses explained that when they thought they were close to finding out who it is, something would happen and distract them. So they decided to bring in an outsider they could trust to flush out the rats. Now, I was given instructions to find and take care of it at all costs, and that no one is to know about me or what I'm doing. I'm a fucking ghost, and I don't exist. With my orders given to me, I take my leave and head to my place. On the way there, I call T-Bone and had him meet me. After getting to my place, me and T-Bone sat down in the living room, and I filled him in on what the New York bosses told me. T-Bone had a concerned look on his face as I asked him what's the problem. He tells me that what if the rat or rats are related to members of their organizations or someone that may start a war between the organizations and we would be stuck in the middle of it. A, a place we don't want to be. So now we have to find out what government agency these rats are talking to. Like the FBI, DEA, state police, local, or what. Because we can't shake down made guys. That ain't happening. We just can't do that. We really need to find out who's receiving info. We turn to Dan had him get in contact with his law enforcement connections to find out what agency was receiving the info and who their insider guys are. It didn't take Dan's connections long to get back to with us. Dan informed T-Bone and me that a New York detective that works in the precinct area of collecting was receiving the info. This is a problem because this New York detective may have family that are connected to the organization. 
given info or he has something on one of the members of the organization. So that's what we need to find out. And to do that, I got to get to the detective and he's not just going to tell me. I'm going to have to kidnap the guy. I had Dan look into the detective's background to see if there was anything I could use to extort him with or anything. Unfortunately for us, though, he didn't. A clean cop, then. Well, I'm going to have to get creative now. For several hours, me and T-Bone went over all scenarios we could to come up with a way to get to, to get him without law enforcement all over us. So we come up with a plan to get info from the detective and involve him in a nasty accident as well. This is how we were going to take care of our law enforcement problem. Okay, here's how it went down. We shadowed the detective until we finally got a chance to catch him off guard. He was on his way home after shift and stopped at a convenience store. That's when we waited for him in the back in the car and pull out of the parking lot. We let him get a few car lengths away and then got behind him. And at a stoplight, we rear-ended him, and as he got out to look at the damage, T-Bone rushed up on him, gave him a t good taser two, dropped him, jumped on top, knocked him out, threw him in into the car, and drove off. I followed behind. We took him to an abandoned building that the capo of the Colombo family had. Inside, we duct-taped him to the chair. Then I told T-Bone I would be the one to do the questioning. He's just to sit there and wait for him to talk. I walked over to the detective, and I decided to just go straight to torture. I said nothing to him, no verbal exchanges. I just went with my razor-sharp bug knife, first cutting off the top parts of his ears, then removed both nipples off his chest, then sliced open his nutsack, and grabbed him by the throat to shut up his screaming started asking him questions. After moments of him calming down and answering, I'd cut him and then remove a body part. By doing that, I had gotten all the answers I needed faster. T-Bone looked a little shocked when I went full-blown beast mode on the detective, mutilating him. After his death, I dumped him in a 55-gallon drum, filled it with concrete, and dumped it into the ocean, never to be seen again. Now, with the detective dead, we had to act fast. To grab up the two informants, we placed a couple of calls and found them at a tavern downtown. So I had T-Bone watch the door to the tavern while I found a car to steal. What I did is found a vehicle that would fit down the sidewalks. And I called up T-Bone and told him the minute they'd come out to let me know and I will be coming down to the sidewalk. Not long, T-Bone placed the call. I then shot down the sidewalk, speeding, hitting anything in my way. And we timed it perfect. They stepped out the doors. I came up on them in the vehicle and slaughtered them both. They had no chance. I drove about six blocks away and abandoned the car and went to the designated cafe to wait for T-Bone so we could head back home. After returning home, we filled Tommy in on what happened and he relayed to the New York guys what we had told him. With that out of the way, I got back to business. 
I called a meeting with my crew, and we all met at my house. I started the meeting by announcing that time has come to take full control of town. I explained we are going to put our people into the local government. We will get us a mayor, a council people, clerks in town hall, and we will even get our own town judges voted in. This is a full takeover of the town's government. I had one year till elections take place to get my people out in front in the polls. I had C take care of getting the people on board to vote for our candidates I wanted in the streets. I'm doing all this in one election. I'm getting as many seats filled with my people. I put Dan on getting the police and fire department's vote. I had Stan on standby in case we needed to set up any threats to our candidates. And T-Bone I put in charge overseeing the whole thing. With everyone filled in on what they're to do, I have to go and see Tommy now and let him know what I'm up to. I just hope he understands. I place a call to Tommy to ask for a meeting with him. He told me to meet him at the social club in an hour. On the drive over, there I was going over what I was going to say to Tommy. I knew what I had to choose my words very carefully. I didn't need this to go south and me and my crew end up dead. Just as I'm pulling up to the social club, I think I'm ready. I get out and I head on inside. I walk over to Tommy's top guy. He took me to the back room where Tommy was waiting for me. I walked in the room and the guy shut the door be behind me. Inside was just Tommy and me. I sat down and started in on Tommy. Tommy, I've done a lot for you and the organization through the years. I would like to take full control of my town and all outside crime is to stop no more activities in the town at all the chicago family will have to pull out and leave this town alone i still will honor my contracts i just want to be recognized as an independent organization with the freedom to run my town as i see fit and in saying that i do it with nothing but respect for you dummy he sat there a minute, didn't talk, then got up, walked out the room, closed the door behind him. As I sat there, waiting for his return, I was prepared for war. Working my adrenaline up, getting it racing through my veins, two hours later, Tommy returned to the room. He informs me the Chicago boss and concierge are on their way to speak to me. Then Tommy walks back out and leaves me alone in the room waiting. Now I'm a fucking mess. Between the pinned up adrenaline and the onset of anxiety, my mind is in overdrive trying to process this whole situation. Some time goes by when the door opens and walks Tommy, the Chicago boss, and the consigliere. Here's the pivotal moment of my life. The only thing I'm thinking is, here we go. They sat down, and as I tried to read their thoughts, the consigliere starts tearing into me 
about wanting to kick out all their people they had in town. And how dare I ask anything. I need to be thankful to them for my life and that I'm nothing more than a fucking cockroach. Before he could say another word, I jumped up, pulled my pocket knife and took it to his throat, opening it up and pulling his tongue out through the opening, aka the Colombian necktie. Tommy and the boss sat their mouths wide open. I then told them I will not be disrespected, especially after all the shit I've done for them. Standing there in front of them bloody and knife in hand, I continued. If you want a war with me, you'll never get out of this room alive. So what's it gonna be? Standing there all pissed off, breathing heavily, they looked at each other and nodded. The bosses explained that I would be granted the town. They will stay out, but now I do not have protection from them. The Chicago organization does not recognize me as a friend any longer. And it's up to Tommy if he still wants to continue associating with me. That's where it was left. I took off to Winkies. I needed a day to gather myself before heading home to the crew and process everything that just had went down. On the way there, I called Bear and had him meet me at Winkies. When I got to the street Winky lives on, I got about four houses away when the car became disabled. I jumped into the back seat, pulled down one side of the seat, climbed into the trunk and grabbed my modified machine gun, loaded it, and pulled the trunk safety cord to open the lid. I hopped out and I laid a path to Winkies of fire. I'm running and as I go, I get to the porch. The door to the house is open. I go diving in. I sit down on the couch and Bear and Winky walk up. They welcome me to their war that kicked up a month ago. Great. They played it down saying it's just something some young wannabes trying to move in on them. That ain't good. Then Bear changed the subject asking me what's going on. I gave him the quick anxiety version of it. Bear was cool about it. He, he did give some good ideas but for the most part we just caught up with one another. The next day, I was getting ready to leave when three cars pulled up and the middle car, a guy gets out and Winky and Bear walk up to him and they exchange greetings. The guy points at me and, and I see Winky and Bear nodding and laughing. Then they turn to me and Bear says, Hey there, Death's Messenger. I just staring at him clueless. What the hell are you talking about? Well, as the story is going, that if I show up for you, death follows. Huh. Well, I guess having a reputation as death's messenger, yeah, is kind of cool or badass. But I do know I have a target on my back now. Ah, shit, why not? I tried to relax as I drove home, listening to some soothing music. This is the end of part two, The Reputation. Tune in for part three, Power. Hope to see you then. Thank you for listening to Stories That Are Made Up.
hosted by Dad from the Coffee Bar Stories Podcast. There will be a new story every two weeks. Tune in then. This has been a DTZ Entertainment Presentation. Hey everyone, I'm Bubba, the newest host of the Coffee Bar Stories. Dad, son, and I are excited to bring in Season 2 to y'all. Expect some new stories, guests, and several other new goodies for everyone. So keep your eyes out for Coffee Bar Stories Season 2 coming this November. Coffee Bar Stories is a DTZ Entertainment Presentation.